I believe in total equality between man and woman. But that equality can only come about when the female partner is willing to confess her total inferiority. TGIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Prima. Hi, everybody. Happy Friday to you. Just the start of the weekend. We're here to help you kick it off. I'm Gary Mann. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together we are Manson Mitchell in your ears for the hour and ably assisted as we are each and every Friday, except when he takes the occasional vacation. They release him from captivity. And here again, I can see him right on Zoom. He's at the board. He's diligent. Bad. He's bad boy Benny Mathers at the board. Most diligent Benny. How are you, sir? Uh, doing very well. To my favorite Floridians. And um, yeah, I got a, actually a small vacation coming up in August. So it's been like, well, there you go. like 10 years since I've had one. Oh, and speaking Benny, as, Benny, Benny. Speaking as law-abiding Floridians, Benny, I do need to ask you, are you a United States citizen? <laughs> yes, I am. Okay, then you're allowed well, to talk to us. That was such a... <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're collecting right information <laughs> and we're shipping it straight to Tallahassee. <laughs> I've got a box of something I'd like to send straight to Tallahassee, but probably they'd come and find me. Oh, my goodness. Oh, um, side note. Happy Donut uh, yeah. Day, by the way. Get your happy what day? Donut Day. It's a get oh, your donut, it's donut Day. It really? is. Get your favorite dozen. <laughs> Everybody why? gets their own day anyway. Yeah. Why would you tell us that? Ben? <laughs> well, it's around why? lunchtime for you guys, so you should be all right. Yeah. Okay. So always good to see and work with you, Benny Mathers. Excellent. Today's a fun day. Fun day Friday because we have the wonderful Tory Ryder back, veteran uh -huh. of the Radio Wars. She's been successful in a number of creative fields, and I'm proud to call her my friend, not just in the industry, but personally as well. She is a very special lady. Tori Ryder is a music and talk radio host whose voice is known to listeners in Chicago, San Francisco, Seattle, Los Angeles, Minneapolis, and Portland, Oregon. Her Not Quite Empty Nest features a broadcasting studio, and she her company is called SheBopsProductions.com. She has a great book out called She Said What? Very, very funny stories of so many years in radio, and we are happy to have her back for the ninth time on Manson oh Mitchell. So been, welcome, Tori Ryder. You've been counting. You've been counting. I don't count. That is oh, to I, say, I, I like to count, but I don't. Do no, count, but I don't count. You know, it seems like you have a bit of a niche going on, and that is that uh, when I read your book, I mean, it's obvious that you've paid your dues and you've worked very hard in the industry. But as as I've known you in recent years, it seems as though you have carved out a job which is guest hosting all over the country. Do I have that right? Well, that was that's how I stayed home with the kids i have the studio in the house it's a little different now we've known each other a while now i'm doing a lot of fill-in in chicago oh. for um chicago's progressive talk station cbt isn't that clever chicago's progressive talk um and it, it's kind of fun for me because i'm the moderate in the family so okay. um yeah I'm, I'm kind of the straight down the middle player of, of political i what happened was the election was coming and i was exploding inside i had no place to put all that stuff 
Right. And so they were kind enough to give me a place to put that stuff and we hit it off. And right. uh, yeah, the book is, oh, this is a big, big month for me. Uh, the book, you mentioned the book. I finished recording the audio book. So that's getting oh. manufactured or whatever the term is for digital yeah. manufacturing. I have no idea. That's but, great yeah. that your story is being told in your voice. That's excellent. You have no idea, or maybe you do, how much time it takes to read your own book. You're like crawling out of your skin. It's just, uh, you know, people who have come on the show, maybe as your guests, and and they say, I just don't want to hear the sound of my own voice, I'm afraid. I don't mind hearing the sound of my own voice. I just don't want to hear it for hours and hours and hours. So oh, funny. Yeah. You know, that's a quirk of radio, Tori, because I have met a few broadcasters who are good to excellent talk show hosts, one of whom will listen to the complete show the very next day, the way football players watch game film. Yeah. And I can't imagine myself doing that. And I have met, on the other hand, a couple of broadcasters, at least, who absolutely despise how they sound, but they love to do radio. Well, it's good to listen. I mean, I do listen. Um, I don't do it every day, but I do try to listen um, to my work regularly. It's kind of like you wouldn't, if if you do anything, if you're a carpenter, you want to stand back and look at your finished work. And then maybe you want to come back a few weeks later and look at it again, just make sure there's nothing you've missed or nothing you could have done better. Any kind of craft you want to, revisit and see well what how could i improve this i i mean i chefs come and sit in the dining room and ask the diners how was it and then they sit at the table and they taste their own food you you need to know with fresh ears or fresh eyes or fresh palate the work that you're doing i i think no matter what you do is ctt uh chicago what was it CPT, Chicago's Progressive Talk. Oh, CPT, CPT, Chicago's yeah. Progressive. Is that an AM or an FM station? It's an AM, and this is this is the era we're in now. We actually stream everything live and podcast it, and I would sure. warrant you that we have as many listeners online as we do over the air. In fact, I think we have more. Uh we also streamed our show, and so it's a podcast uh, immediately and available. We we actually have a lot of people streaming that you know we have met, and they they tune us in online. And the reason I asked, with a wink and a nod, is that we're lucky to be on air, aren't we? I was following the saga of of car manufacturers taking AM stations out of their cars. Yeah, did you, that was. Did you that follow was, that? I did. Um, it's something that um, if you go to, I, I don't want to make this too inside baseball, but if if you go every year, the broadcasters have the National Association of Broadcasters has two big conventions. One's more targeted towards TV, and one used to be more targeted towards radio. And so for years, we've been hearing, they're going to take the radio out of the dashboard. You're never going to have a radio on your dashboard again. Be careful, be careful. The radios will all be gone. And then one manufacturer, we won't call them out unless you want to, finally did it. And the hue and cry that went went out, they they changed their minds. They put the radio right back. Um, But what you do is really special. It's connected to people directly. And you could not be replaced by a chat bot or AI. 
But music radio, where I made my home for many years, many years ago, at this point, the people they have on the air, um, they have now made them sound like chatbots. So what's the fun of listening to an inhuman person interrupting your music? I, I, you may recall from the book, I got in a big fight over this in L.A., Mm-hmm. Um, yes. The zero talk hours were yes. were my bet noir. Basically, <laughs> I said, "Wait a minute!" They they called us in for a big luncheon and a big fancy hotel in L.A. and they had the most highly paid and visible DJs possibly in America, maybe New York, Chicago, L.A. And they announced that their big big push was going to be the zero talk hour. And you remember Aesop's fable of the little mouse and the lion and the mouse with the thorn in the lion's paw? Yep, I do. I, I was the thorn. I put up my hand. <laughs> I was just part-time and fill-in. I put up my hand and the general manager who didn't know me from a hole in the wall uh, called on me. And I said, so so you're expecting us to promote the fact that we're not there? And the room kind of, everybody's head whipped around. And I said, well, you've got all these highly paid talent and you want them all to talk about how the best thing that could happen to the listeners is that they shut up. And I knew my job was curtains. I didn't care. I just didn't care. But that, when you do that, that's when you can start taking radios out of cars. Uh, And it's, it's ironic that this, the band that they thought they would take out of the car is the one place on radio where there's still live community oriented talk. Right. Or sports talk, which is local. And when you were at that convention and you bravely spoke up, did you sense at the moment that it was really Hobson's choice to use an old British phrase that if they're going to bring in all this music, more rock, less talk. You used to hear that all the time. Oh yeah. That you thought your job was essentially toast, but by design, they were reimagining the industry so that a lot of people would find that their jobs were toast anyway. Well, I don't know that that, that I thought this conversation where I put up, this was the big breakfast company wide for all the air talent and salespeople and managers. The NAB, National Association of Broadcasters, has been having this conversation for years as well. Like, why should music radio um, cut out all the personality? This is back in the day. People have CDs. People have cassettes. They can make their own. If all you want to do is play music, people can do that themselves. But the owners of the stations, uh, and they really didn't get which goose was laying their golden egg. They thought, what well, would we'll just pay, play more music than we can pay less money to the talent and uh, we'll make more money. And for a little while that worked. Um, so did I feel like they were, I don't, I don't know if they were aware. I co-wrote an article like decades ago um, for an industry magazine with someone who's a big consultant. Her name is Valerie Geller. And we wrote an article and I think the headline was don't clear cut your forest. And I know in the Pacific Northwest, people really understand that if you, if you take down the thing that makes a place special uh, and you leave nothing, people won't go there. Nothing can live there. And that metaphor I think applies to radio too. What made radio special was that you had people in your home with you talking to you, talking with you. And even if they were talking with you between the records, notice the archaic form there, records, um, they were company. And if you take away the people, 
people can play their own records. And and now you you know you've got Spotify. You can just tune in a station that plays only what you like. In doing my research for our show today, because I was genuinely interested in the topic. <clears throat> One statistic was that less than 5% listen to AM radio. Most people want to listen to FM and the music and 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 maybe not all the jibber-jabber. However, the, the NAB said that there are over 80 million people listening to AM radio every month. That's a large percentage of the United States. And, it is, and, yes. And I understood that a... a Originally, when the AM stations were coming out of the cars, it was from electric cars. They said there was electrical interference and that it helped, you know, reduce the cost of the car and things like that. But I thought it was very curious that, as the car manufacturers said, uh, we're going to start taking that out of the cars, that that the uh, actually legislators got together and they did the AM for Every Vehicle Act. And so then it it was it was Congress that went toe to toe with the car manufacturers and said that, you know, this is how people, especially in rural areas, find out about emergencies. Yes. You can't have somebody in a car and not know that there's like a tornado coming. Well, it's funny you should pick that example because um the the government, the FCC can only regulate so much they can require that there be radio in cars but what they cannot do is make the owners of these rural stations have live news departments so that if there is a tornado there's uh, somebody on the air when that emergency signal comes over to tell you about it if there is a train derailment there's nobody in the little local station to set to give to send out a crew or give you the news and that is the, the next thing we have to worry about because all of these small radio stations um, and even, I hate to even say this, but Chicago's big news station where I am, they used to have somebody live in the newsroom all night long and broadcast fresh news all night long. And they now do a rebroadcast for a couple of hours every night of the news that they aired a couple of hours before. And I don't know if they have anybody on call for an emergency, but I would hate to think, you know, emergencies happen whenever. And one of the reasons that they put the AM radio uh, back in the cars or actually never took them out was the emergency broadcast system. We've all heard that this is a test of the emergency broadcast system. This is only a test, but that is a real thing for real emergencies. So that whole, you'll be instructed where to tune, you get that message now, it's not clear that there's any place you can tune. That train derailment in uh, in Pennsylvania, Palestine, was it Ohio, Pennsylvania, right there on the border? There, one of the problems was that there was nobody to, to tell the local people about it. So you can require that there be radio stations. You just can't make them pay people to actually be there and give you the news. And and now there are stories all over the place of in, in your area, in Florida, um, usually your disasters are hurricanes that you can see coming. So you can know that you're going to need a crew ready to cover the damage. But in other places where there are earthquakes or major rail lines or forest fires, 
you can't, there's no weather forecast that's going to say, you know, in August, we're going to have a fire on the 31st of whatever. So right. it's a, it's a real problem right now. Yes. Yes. Very interesting. And I don't know if we've heard the last word on that either, just because of the change in technology all the time, Tori, we didn't have, you know, streaming or computers and cars decades ago, but you know, now you're, your car, the newer cars, of course, do have computers in them. And so you've got your GPS going on. And there are other ways to get emergency information. But I'm, I'm just wondering, you know, what the future will hold based on on all of the you know, up and coming technologies that we don't even know what they are yet. That's true. And, and you can be directed to some emergency information. But um, there, there's no substitute, just as an example, the train derailment, there's no substitute for having a person who is a, a an experienced reporter to call up the right people who she or he or they would have in their, um, what used to be called a Rolodex, a database, and say, hi, you know, it's Joe calling, I, I need to know what was on this train, I need to know uh, and and calling up somebody from a chemical manufacturing company and saying, I understand there was chemical X on this train. What will happen if it spills? And then calling up the local weather people and saying, which way is the wind blowing? Is it blowing towards this little town or away from it? Those are the kind of steps that an experienced reporter. And I, I bet you've seen this where you're watching one of the news, um, the news TV stations and they send out some cub reporter who doesn't know how to vet a story, doesn't know how to source a story, and they just stand there and say any any old thing that that comes down the pike. If there's one thing that strikes terror in my heart, it's the phrase citizen journalist. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Inter- interesting journalism here. Journalism is a real thing, and, and it's not yes. just something that anybody can walk in and, and do. Um we're in a very small market here. The The Tampa market is about an hour um, north of where we are, about 50 to 60 miles. And in, in Sarasota, there is one, well, two, actually, there's two local stations, uh, television stations. And one of them is so little that I think they, they turn out the lights when they leave at five o'clock. But the other station seems to grind through a whole bunch of people just getting into the industry. And so Gary and I, I note that there are a few tried and trues, a very small handful of people who have been there for years. But for the most part, all these cub reporters are new young people getting into the business and we watch them succeed and we watch them fail at going to these you know various locations to report on what's happening and and it it becomes comical at times when you know they they're just starting out and they really don't know the questions to ask or how to get close to the situation or or how to get the information and and we just kind of shake our heads and and slap our foreheads once in a while but it does put me in mind to ask you in the years that you've been on radio, did you ever cover like a real emergency when you were on air, when it was breaking news and it was something big? What was the biggest thing yes. that, that you well, had let, to cover? Let me, if you don't mind me, I circle back to what you just said about the little station. 
if that's okay. Um, yes, please. Th- those those cub reporters that you're seeing, if they have a couple of full time experienced people, that's that's gold. That's the manufacturing process. What you're seeing is, in my opinion, what's vanishing and what's very much needed. The new people coming in who have to start in a smaller market and learn by doing it right and doing it wrong. And that amazement that you referenced where you slap your forehead and go, oh, that's that's just hilariously bad. What you're seeing, though, is someone learning from his or her their mistakes and getting better. The, the crime, in my opinion, of what's happened to radio is that th- there, there are no experienced people to sit down, no news director to sit down with these younger people, say, OK, let's look at your let's look at what you did. Let's talk about what went right. Let's talk about what went wrong. Let's figure out how you do it better next time. That place where you are, what you're describing is exactly what's going away and in, and what scares me the most is that there will be no place where younger people can learn. And then, of course, you get these station owners going, we got nobody to hire. There's nobody we can hire. There's nobody good that we can. Well, okay, if you're sitting in, in Chicago or Miami or Seattle and you want to hire people, you're hiring them from the small feeder markets. And if nobody in the feeder markets is hiring live bodies, then they're right, but they did it to themselves. So that I want—I wanted to say that you're seeing something really special there, and I'm, you're lucky to have that little station that—that that is, you know, watching people make terrible mistakes. And yes, I—I'm not a journalist, but I have been on the air. Uh, just as one example, when the Murrah Federal Building was blown up in Oklahoma City, you may recall. I, I uh, do. It was in April. Of, it, uh, it was uh gosh let's see maybe 28 90, years ago 94, it was 1995 95 yeah something like yeah so almost 30 years ago but i was on the air and that was an interesting experience because i was working at what had been a live talk station in chicago and they were sort of closing out that format and they kept me on to cover, God help them, the O.J. Simpson trial. They were going to do all O.J. all the time. And when the trial was over, they were going to start doing music on this FM signal. And uh, they, they O.J. Simpson, you may remember from the book, paid for, I get to say O.J. Simpson paid for my wedding. Um, because I had done some shows about O.J. Simpson then the trial, they said, well, you're going to stay and you're going to talk O.J. all the time. And I, I was getting married a few months. I was like, okay, whatever, I'll start looking for a new job now and I'll do that. And in the middle of one of my shifts, when my boss was away, the the bombing happened in, in the middle of my all OJ. And I said, okay, I'm going to switch. I don't care that we're supposed to be all OJ all the time. We're going to talk about this. It's It's a huge terrorist incident and it's happened on our soil. We need to talk about this. And the assistant program director, who I I will reserve some of the coarser language, but let me just say she was not exactly an experienced broadcaster, and she didn't quite understand what a real broadcaster would do. And I said, okay, I I called in the office and I said, I'm going to talk about this. And she said, you can't do that. We're all OJ. And and I said, no, I'm going to do it. And she said, you, you can't do that. We're all OJ all the time. And I looked at her and I said, uh-huh. 
And I went into the studio and I said, we're going to talk about what's going on in Oklahoma City right now. And I thought, all right, we'll link this to OJ. We'll talk about assumptions, what people are assuming is happening, what people assume, who people are assuming is responsible because there was so little data coming in. But if you're a real talk host, you know, you have to be prepared. We call it the rule of out the window. If I'd had any professional integrity at all, I had to talk about that. I had to let people talk about it. We were stunned and amazed. Um, and it was a this is a horrible example of, of from life, but you have to go with what's happening now, or you have no integrity. You can't say, you know, we, we are a conversation between you, the community, and us, the people in the booth. We can't say we serve the community if the greater community, America writ large, is under attack somehow, and we just carry on playing, you know, the hits or what, whatever, whatever our format is, and, and and don't and don't look out the window or throw out the window, whatever we thought we were supposed to be doing before. D does that make sense? Oh, it makes plenty of sense to me. If I extrapolate from your radio experience to contemporary times, there you could even see that playing out. For example, on cable television, there might be some national political situation. It could be a crisis. It could be an announcement, something of sufficient moment that it gets wide coverage, except for this one station that's busy talking about something completely irrelevant to that. Or maybe there's a helicopter chase in L.A. So they'll go ahead and cover that instead. Yeah. Well, and sometimes you, you've raised another good point. In this highly politicized environment, what you don't cover can be very political. Um, for I mean, there's a lot of political trial activity going on now. I'm trying to be as neutral about this as I can. <clears throat> and there are people watching to see uh, what the different political sides on this are, are covering and how much time they're devoting to this. You can form public opinion by simply dismissing something and not covering it and making your public believe that it was not a big deal at all. If it were a big deal, we would be covering it for you. Um, and, and that's a form of influence that you're seeing more and more. You know, we're, we're going to cover this issue that we feel our listeners want to know about subtext, the people who believe politically what our format says, the people we're speaking to because they agree with us. We're going to cover that. And then we're not going to cover this other thing over here because we know our audience wouldn't want to hear it. It would bother them. A lot of what you talk about with um, people on air, Tori, when you're taking callers has to do with the news of the day. And when we come back from our break, that's where we want to go. Covering the news. What is real news? Uh, where does it come from? what people need to be looking out for, things like that. And I know that you have your, your finger on the pulse of the whole new situation. So we'll go ahead and take our break now. And when we come back, it'll be all news for half an hour. All about <laughs> so, news, more like it. <laughs> more, it'll be all about the news. So thank you for listening to Manson Mitchell, and we'll be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family 
and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcomed Tory Ryder. From politics to pop culture, Tory serves up a potpourri of current events in her own inimitable style. On Saturday, Carl Petri returns with fascinating stories of his retrocognition, the ability to see people and places from another time period in phenomenal detail. Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Bringing good vibes to the Puget Sound and the world. Alternative Talk, 1150. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guest this hour, Tori Ryder, making her ninth appearance with us today. First time was 10 years ago in 2013. And we have met her in person. She's one of those friends we've actually seen live and up close. Her book is She Said What? And Turi, if people would like to get your book or if they'd like to connect with you, what is your uh, website? Where can they find you and any other information you'd like to share? Well, I'd be honored. Um, I'm easy to find if you can spell my name. That's the tricky bit. T-U-R-I, writer like those big yellow trucks. And if you put that in, you can find my podcast, you can find my book, just put whatever it is you're looking for after my name and it will get you uh, where you want to go. Um, and my publisher would be delighted if you supported independent bookstores, but we all agree that for lots of people, Amazon just works better. So the book has a real live publisher, indie publisher here in Chicago. We'll, we'll give proper credit to Tortoise Books, uh, but it, we love to support our local bookstores. You can order She Said What, A Life on the Air uh, there, or you can find it on Amazon and soon the audiobook. So if that works better for you, that'll be uh, that'll be an Amazon thing. So I guess that's everything. That, and, and find me on Facebook or Twitter. I'm not so great at Instagram, but we try. Uh, we do our best. And TikTok just scares the the jeepers out of me so i'm there you go yeah there you go i enjoy it but it scares me i found she said what not only in entertaining because you're a funny storyteller 
but also very informational because you were one of the original groundbreaking women in radio when it was 99.99% men. And so that aspect is also very interesting that you were there in the early years where uh, maybe the station only had a men's room for gosh sakes, who knows? Well, they did have women's rooms because women, this is how it was back then. Women did sales because the people they were selling to were usually men. So they hired a lot of really good looking women to sell. Um, and, and you could tell who was in sales by the height of their heels. And I hate to say this, but that's how it was at the time, typically the way they dressed and you know, a lot of a lot of women sold a lot of radio time wearing short skirts. I, it's a horrible thing to say, but you could tell who the salespeople were at that time. It's it's different now, um, but that's that's what they did to women, kind of like cocktail. They made radio sales cocktail waitresses out of a lot of them. Not all of them, but some of them. So yeah, there was always a ladies room and there's still not a lot more women on the air and where they are on the air, um, they tend to work with men who are in charge. Uh, and they'll tell you, oh, this just turns my stomach. You go to these radio, sh- uh, there's a convention just for morning shows, music radio morning shows, which is usually Joe and Bob and Rick and Muffy uh, or Fluffy or whatever her name is. And they'll all tell you that Fluffy is the key to the show and she's an equal part of the show and Fluffy keeps them in line. And it's it's a very weird thing to watch because you know perfectly well that Fluffy is not in charge of the show. And the guys get the ratings bonuses and the guys get the big paychecks. And the only consolation that Fluffy has is when they fire the guys, Fluffy usually stays and works with the next group of guys. It's Benny or Fluffy. That's how I look at it. I'm the same too. <laughs> we'll never joking. call him Fluffy. You can call me Fluffy. I don't care. That's great. I'm all it's horrible to watch it. Like Fluffy is as big a part of the show as we are, and I'm like, really? Can I see yeah. Fluffy's contract? Can I right. see Fluffy's paycheck? Can can I can I see that? And I actually, and this was not long ago. Oh Lord, I'm gonna tell tell on someone now. I won't say the name, but there was a talk station in a big city where I happen to live. And they needed a morning show. The morning show host, believe it or not, who was hugely successful, had passed away. And so with all of the morning show credentials that I had, um, I went in and said, you know, I, I could do a good job for you. And the guy said, well, how would you like to work with? And he named a talk show host who was really not so great that he was going to bring in for somewhere else. He said, how, how would you like to work with not so great? And I said, not so much. Thank you. Goodbye. Okay, so now a year goes by and not so great is is doing exactly as you would expect, floundering and failing. And the guy calls me up again and he says, you know, how would you like to to be a co-partner with not so great? And I said, yeah, I really I don't do the co-host thing very well. If you want me to take over your show, I'll get your ratings. But no, then he calls me back again and says, how would you like to produce the show for not so great? Which is like, how would you like to take in the mail and book the guests for not so great? And at that point, I just thought, do do you have any idea how insulting this? First, you hire the guy instead of me. Then you ask me to work with the guy and fix him instead of me. Now you want me to be behind the scenes propping up the guy. And I, I just thought, do you have any idea how insulting this is? But, but being the professional I am, I said, no, I, I really can't do that. I, I'm used to being on the air and piloting my own ship, and that's how I do it. And he said, and this is a quote, 
I thought you'd say that, but I had to ask. And my response, banging on my dining room table at dinner that night was, no, he didn't. No, he didn't have to ask. He could have, this is what you get. And then you get the guys who, uh, well, well, we'll hire a married couple because that way we'll have a woman on the air, but she's just the wife. <laughs> now, I I definitely get where you are coming from, Tori. It reminds me of the time, and I was for a very short time in this particular role that I despise, and that is the the foil, the buffoon, the one who gets made fun of. Jokes are made at your expense so that you can draw a paycheck, usually a pretty small one, trying to make others look or required to make the show hosts look better by comparison. I saw that going on, and I'm not one who has a masochistic urge to be verbally abused day in and day out on the air. That's not why I got into radio. In my case, I was in middle age when I was a a cub. I just figured there's got to be a better way of doing radio than this. If I had to put in my time answering the phone calls and taking abuse from people who are calling in to vent their opinions, that kind of goes with the territory. But I wouldn't want to be on somebody's platform as the foil, as, as the joker of the group, not the one who tells the jokes, but the one the who butt, is the butt, the butt of, the jokes. of the jokes. Well, and that's not the job me. of women on these shows. They have two, there were two assigned roles. You can be on these morning shows. You can be the slutty butt of all the jokes. And very frequently this translates into abuse in the hallways. We're seeing a lot of legal yes. action now. Yes. These women who were you know, I have to even get your pants on, Marie, you know, like that kind of awful behavior. And then the other version is she can be the disciplinarian. Now, now, Rick, that's not nice. So those are the two jobs for women. And frankly, I, 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 my first talk radio job, I just called myself the morning man. I figured that would resolve things for people if they wondered what kind of show I was going to do. Um, because that's all there were in those days were morning men. So I thought, fine, I'll be the morning man. Kind of like now you, everyone's an actor and there aren't any actresses and everyone's a waiter and there are no waitresses to speak of or flight attendant. We'll just, if, if this is the language to describe the person in charge of the morning show, if that's all the language they have, then I'll use that. Um, but I'm, I mean, there, there aren't a lot. And again, to be fair, a lot of women have other obligations. Witness the fact that in my case, I put a studio in my house, so I didn't follow my career around for years and years. I, I I dialed it back so I could be home with kids. And to be fair, so did the spouse. Um, there was a big job he could have taken in D.C., but we weren't going to move the kids out of their school. So he took a different job. But it, I still remember when he would be on a business call working from home and the kids made noise, if he said... I'm with the kids today. I'm working and the kids are in the office. Everybody saluted him and they thought he was the best person in the world. And glory be, here's a guy with his kids with him at work. But for me, and thank goodness my partner understood this, my husband of almost 30 years totally got it. I said, if any kid makes any noise anywhere near a business call or show that I'm on, it's over for me. I am instantly perceived as not real and not professional. And that hasn't changed very interesting meanwhile Suzanne and I watch a lot of MSNBC occasionally CNN not too much 
but when they get people on Zoom, it's funny to me because there will be some expert, a, a genuine pundit, an authority in his field, and he's fielding questions, and his little daughter comes in, or the dog comes in, or the neighbor's dog is barking. I'm going, this whole landscape of communications has changed. Totally. You're so <laughs> right. You are so right. And it's, you know what? That is a gift of COVID, really. I mean, there, yeah. there, it was a horrible thing. It's not over yet. There are millions dead. But if people got a sense of, of us, you behind a microphone, me behind a microphone, if people got a sense that we really are people just like you, I'm surprised it hasn't toned down the political rhetoric at all. Um, because once you're people, you're harder to hate. Um yeah, I just had this moment of flash across my head, though, pe people being people in our studios at home. My favorite, what I thought rather neglected news story of the week, a certain uh, Fox, uh, no longer working at Fox Centerpiece, who worked from his home studio, which was built for him by Fox. They just came and deconstructed his studio last week. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't. I was laugh. like, really? Yeah, yeah. Your little dog too. We're going to take your microphone. We're going to take your paneled cabin walls. We're going to take your lighting and your console. It's all going away. You that know, was you, great. you've played right into what I wanted to talk about when, before we went on break, when I said, <laughs> we want to talk about the news. We're not going to talk news. We're going to talk about the news. Mm -hmm. And, and, and Fox news was one of the things that I wanted to talk about places where you find disinformation and where do you find real news these days and where don't you find it? And you've looked into that a little bit. So I wanted you to say something about real news. Well, okay. I mentioned a little bit and I'll circle back to this. The news is what you cover and what you don't and how you cover it. So all of those things. And to be fair to Fox for a long time, their news department was sacrosanct. You, you didn't mess with it. In the same way that the Wall Street Journal's editorial page had a wall between the news they covered and the opinions of the editors. And what's happened uh, and what you saw happen with Fox was essentially the sales and marketing department got a hold of the news department. Um, and and that that is the, the wreck that you saw that happened in court um, with Fox News, because their news people were saying, and their producers were saying, this this is hokum. And even the hosts were saying, this is hokum. But, uh, and I'm speaking now about um, the Dominion voter theft, voter fraud, all of, all of that stuff. You're seeing the ripples of it echo out because they did such a job of promoting um, the fallacy that, that the election was stolen, which by any objective standard, it was not. And by any court ruling, it was not. But you, they did such a good job of presenting this that there are a whole lot of people and politicians who are getting their votes who are living in this evil Oz. Like they, they're sort of the flying monkeys of of news. They're, they're just pure marketers of scum and lies. There, I'm saying it. Marketing scum and lies. But I, I do like to seek out not just the marketers of scum and lies to see what they're doing. I also want to see genuine news that is not necessarily consonant with my idealistic viewpoint of how things should go. And I'll give you as an example of this, uh, the way the 
immigration flow across our southern borders is happening. Um, if you and now happening in Chicago because the governor of Texas is busing and flying people uh, here to Chicago, and of course. Our former mayor, Lori Lightfoot, made it very clear that we could be better prepared if he would not politicize this and let us know that people are coming so we could prepare. There's an argument to be made that she could have prepared anyway, but that's a separate argument. But you you can see with your eyes um, in the form of the cameras on the border how people are are passing over and how they're living. And you can see from the different news sources, one will cover the efforts of outreach and care groups, and one will cover the outreach of health groups, and one will cover the government's tracking or lack thereof of children who are being sent to places that that maybe you know aren't safe for them. And all of this news, and on the other, on the other political perspective, uh, you're seeing people who are coming in and they're clearly not coming in some cases as refugees. They want to work and make more money. And that that's a fair reason to come. But at this point, it doesn't seem to be a legal reason to come. So that's also news. And we need to we need to take it all in. And then it, it's almost like my husband likes to watch baseball on TV and he likes the sound on radio. He chooses his sources for each input. So to your point, Suzanne, you, you want to take a bunch of different sources and observe their perspectives and make sure you know where the input is coming from. I, I do a lot of news um, searching for, for reliable print sources, and I, I'm i a little biased against um, television as a news source in many cases because the deep reporting isn't visual. The deep reporting is the dramatic picture. So if you're looking at a, you know, a, a plane crash, um, that's a picture. But if you want to know why the plane crashed, that's a news story that's often better told in print. So I, I think when people only get their news from one type of medium, they're already at a disadvantage. Does, does that answer your question at all? <clears throat> yes, it does. And I, I had made a note to myself about the influence of of getting news which may not even be sourced in our own country. So what is what about people getting their information from say TikTok? Well, TikTok and the the people putting up the TikTok that you're going to see are here, but an interesting example of news that may be sourced elsewhere, I I would I would say is um maybe the Guardian which comes out of the UK which has a definite perspective even their American side or Al Jazeera is is a you know if you want to know what the world thinks of us um look at a source that doesn't come from here um that that's important to know uh what what how we're viewed from elsewhere um so you're right Suzanne that that's but do we know it's accurate uh TikTok <laughs> is a crappy place to get news. I, I will give you my favorite example of recent, um, at least for the most part, I will give you a recent example of that. There's, um, I was sitting at a, a little gathering, a friend of ours who's moved to Chicago had a gathering and she brought a woman she just met, she invited, who comes from France. And so might not be expected to know the city as well as she might, although she's been here a while. And she starts telling me about a serial killer that's loose in Chicago that no one is talking about. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what? 
oh yes, you know, he, the, the killer is pushing people into the river and pushing people into the lake and bodies are washing up and no one is talking about it. I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, I, uh, okay. So now armed with this woman looking at me and seeming to be in her right mind, I'm thinking, where is she getting this stuff from? So I start looking and I believe it's NBC. The first story I find where TikTok influencer uh, agrees to stop uh, researching the serial, the, his alleged serial killer in Chicago. And I'm thinking, oh, this is interesting. It mm. turns out there in, in Chicago anyway, there's some guy who was, quote, close quote, doing his own research on people, you know, bodies washing up from the various uh, water sources that we have here and going to the police with his findings. And the police are going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it turns out he's using this to market his TikTok channel to market his marketing company. And the marketing company says, oh, we knew nothing about it. And they interview the guy. He says, oh, I won't do it anymore. And I guess I kind of got lost in the in the in the tick in the followers and the clicks. And I, I guess I started to believe my own PR. Sorry about that. That's the first thing I find. And the second thing I find is CBS, a fairly reputable news source has done a, an investigation piece. What about this rumor of, of a serial killer pushing people? And they actually go to the police and they look at the statistics and they actually go to the medical examiner and look at their data. Uh, it turns out there are no more people washing up on the shores of Lake Michigan than there have been for the last eight years. Nothing's changed. People get drunk, they fall into the river. People are, are, are not at peace with themselves. They throw themselves into the lake. And as the medical examiner points out, if there's really something nefarious going on, there's usually some sign that somebody did something to this person, like held them down, for example. Um, but there's no, you know, if we don't have any signs that anything was done to the person, then we just say we don't know. But if you look at if you look at the data, there's no serial killer running around the city of Chicago pushing people into the lake and the river. Um, but if you just read TikTok, you'll show up at a party and say something completely idiotic like that. Yes, absolutely. And to take it one step beyond, and I really think these people need their own radio station. I would I would use the call letters W-T-F-H for W tinfoil hat. <laughs> because they get on Facebook and they talk about, you know, the cryptids are there over Chicago spotted uh, over flying over the Lincoln Park Zoo flying over downtown Chicago, winged creature, the appearance of a man yet winged and, and soaring over the city. And it's one after another about all these strange happenings in Chicago. When that becomes disseminated, you're talking about whatever indeterminate percentage of the population is willfully ignorant because they read this, they buy into it, and they pass it along. Yeah, of course. I saw it. It must be true. Although now to circle back to radio you know that radio is to some extent responsible for this in the person of, of the no longer living Art Bell. Um, you, you may remember Art Bell. Oh, remember yes. when he was in we Las Vegas for a time, I was a regular call in to Art really? Bell show oh, in no. the pre coast to coast days. Yes. I used to call in, but he didn't always talk about uh, UFOs, ghosts and whatnot, which altogether was okay by me. I called a UFO assumed expert who was uh, dedicated his life to the study of and i brought up a classic case with a betty and barney hill case 
there and it was a very interesting conversation and I made a few political calls as well there but Art Bell would take just about anything and treat it on the same level as established fact no matter how bingo. wild the conspiracy theory bingo yes exactly there you go that is a, you've said it you've said it that's exactly what was the the in my opinion the the strange harm and yet wild fascination I mean it made for interesting radio um somebody would see a vapor trail behind a plane and they were sure that it was you know alien writing and Art Bell would just sort of nod and and smile on the radio and go, oh yeah mm, that's interesting wow and next caller and as you as you say he didn't he didn't want to even referee it a little bit he didn't want to say that's the most outrageous thing I've ever heard that is clearly you you need to you know sober up and take a look at the an actual newspaper someday but no he never he never did that and that I I in a weird way I believe that that you would have seen that as one of the sources of this kind of you know I saw well good for you I, I you know you see a lot of things you don't know what they are and weirdly this is almost political now we're moving into because People often assume that if they don't understand something, there's no explanation for it. Or people extrapolate that if one bad thing happens, then it, anyone is having, I'm, I'm trying to kind of dance around this, but the, the vaccine thing uh, and the news sources, I have a friend who uh, sends me all kinds of quote, close quote, research on vaccines and drug companies and harms. And um, whenever I get this stuff, I look to see who who the people are who are promoting it and why they're promoting what they're promoting. Um, and often there's a perfectly good self-interested reason that they're saying the things that they're saying. And pharmaceutical companies also have a motive. But if you sell dishwashing liquid that rips the skin off people's hands, Pretty soon, if that's what it does, you you won't sell too many bottles of it. Um, if you're selling a drug that I mean, we've learned, there was a time when that wasn't the case. We had thalidomide babies where where things were not properly tested and, and vetted and they really did harm people. But we've learned and our systems are better. And I also have the medical equivalent of Snopes.com. You know, Snopes.com, where if someone's a, something's a rumor, they post that it's a rumor. If it's true, they post that it's true. Have you used Snopes at all? I haven't used it. I've heard of it. It's fun. Um, but there's a guy, he's a medical doctor. Um, his specialty is breast cancer but for and a, and a surgeon. But for fun, he looks at these studies and data sets and kind of picks them apart. And to circle back to your foreign sources, there was some study that said that, you know, millions of people were dying of this. And he looked at their methodology and it was some guy who's a sociologist from Western Michigan who asked people, just random people, no vetting, no, you know, do you know anyone who's been harmed by this vaccine? And it wouldn't matter if 10 people reported the same person that went down as 10 harms and it wouldn't matter. We've got matter. to go, Tori. There, oh, we're going to have to pick this one up later. Oh, we I'm love sorry. having you on again. Got into it. Well, thank you. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks for listening.